disciples, who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and others one of the prophets. But he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Christ. In the holy name of Jesus. Amen. There are a lot of people in this world who consider themselves Christians, but unfortunately can't answer basic questions about their faith and the life they have in Jesus Christ. And this often actually stems from that central question, the one that I usually ask um, young people in confirmation class, I say, who do you believe in? And they often say, I believe in God. Right? But who do they mean? So I usually have to uh, press them a little harder and say, be more specific. <laughs> which God do you believe in? One nation under God, but which one, right? Well, it could be any number of them. One, or actually many, I suppose. Freedom of religion. But who do you say God is? Well, they usually understand. Uh, Jesus and the Father. Okay. How about, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, and the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Who do you say that I am? That specificity is important, because as the Creed teaches us, Knowing who Jesus is, the Son of the Father, reveals to us who God is, triune, and Jesus being, of course, Son, means that there is a Father. And then, of course, having believed in Jesus, we receive the teaching of the Spirit who proceeds from Father and Son, who is the Lord and giver of life. Everything really centers on who you say that I am. So when someone says, well, I'm a Christian, I say, well, then who is the Christ? Hopefully they know Jesus. But then the questions get a little bit harder. But who is Jesus? And this sort of confusion isn't anything new. It was certainly the case at the time uh, that Jesus walked upon the earth in his time of ministry, really even from his birth, from his conception, even more so. Who is this child born of Mary, this cousin of John the Baptist, this homeless man almost, who goes about teaching radical things, things that we haven't heard. His identity is essential to understand both the authority that he has to say these things, but also what he has come to do, his office and his work. So in the days of Jesus, the confusion was, well, maybe he's John the Baptist. By this point, John had already lost his head. John had to come back. Or Elijah, in the same way, had been taken up into heaven, and maybe now has come back. There is now evidence, uh, actually fairly recently discovered in the last hundred years, that there were those who believed that Elijah would be resurrected, or would return from the heavens, and come and be one of the many Christs, or Messiahs. And then others said one of the prophets, again, presumably from the dead. But he said to them, that is, the disciples, who do you say that I am? Because they knew all too well that he wasn't John. Many of them had been John the Baptist's disciples, say Peter and Andrew, the sons of Zebedee. They knew that he wasn't Elijah. He didn't dress like Elijah, he didn't speak like Elijah, or any of the prophets for that matter. So he said, Who do you say that I am? And, they, and Peter answered him, on this day, we remember his confession, you are 
the Christ, the Christos, the anointed one, the Messiah, the Messiah in Hebrew. Well, that's actually pretty important. Because wrapped up in that word, anointed one, is the offices of prophet, of course, priest, and king. By this little word, Christ, Peter is acknowledging him to be in these offices, to be sent by God to proclaim the Word, of course, He is the Word in flesh, sent by God to minister to the people, that is, to give to them forgiveness, life, and salvation, which as we confess and know, He gives to us by His shed blood. And that He is the King, the Son of David, the Son promised to David that would reign upon David's throne and would reign forever whose house will be established forever, his kingdom will have no end. All that's wrapped up in that little confession, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. But that's not quite enough. It's not just enough to confess that you believe in God, or you believe in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, or you believe the Son is Jesus Christ, or even that Jesus Christ is the Son of David, the anointed one, the prophet who has come into the world, the high priest. Well, actually, it's that high priest point that's the point of confusion. Which is why at this point, Jesus charges the disciples to not tell anyone that he is the Christ. Because he needs to take the time to catechize, to teach his disciples, his followers, what that word means. Namely, in regards to the office of the priest. How would he serve the people with forgiveness, life, and salvation? The gifts that were attached to the priestly offerings of the temple, now that he is the temple not made with hands, and he is the sacrifice. That's what he needs to teach them. And how is it that he is going to make sacrifice? How is he going to atone for sins, not just of Peter, Andrew, and John, and James, and the rest of the disciples, not just for the multitudes who followed after him, not just for the nation of Jews, not even just for them, but for all people, Jew and Gentile alike. How will he serve them in a way that those shadows of the temple never did? The tabernacle and the temple, pointing forward to him. That sacrifice, as you know, will be made as he is unjustly accused, sentenced to death, suffers, is crucified, dies, and is buried. And so he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, and be rejected by the elders, and the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days, rise again. He said it plainly, but that doesn't mean that they understood. And we know that it doesn't mean they believed it. Peter himself rebukes Jesus and says, Far be it from you, Lord. And of course, Peter will continue to rebuke Jesus as he continues to predict his suffering, his passion, his death. He will continue to say, Not that way, Lord. That's not the kind of Christ that I want. That's not the kind of Messiah that we need. But Jesus' rebuke of him that day is essential. To reject Jesus as the Christ who is the Lamb of God, who 
gives his life for sinners, who is the high priest who makes himself a sacrifice. To reject that is demonic, even. And so he says to Peter, get behind me, Satan, for you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. The kind of Messiah, the kind of Christ that you're looking for, is the kind that man wants. Rescue from tyranny, from oppression, from high taxation, from whatever we believe is enslaving us, but not from our real enemies, not from our own sinful captivity, not from the assaults and temptations of the devil, not from all the temptations, the lusts of the flesh, the ways of this world. Rather, a Messiah that saves us from earthly enemies, a Messiah maybe more like David or Solomon or any of those kings that came before. But Jesus says that again. The things of God, the way of his Christ, is to suffer, to die, on the third day to rise. And actually, then that sets the whole pattern for the Christian confession, not only who Jesus is as the Christ, but then also what it means to be a Christian, to be in Christ, is to be a sort of Christ like Jesus, an anointed one, anointed by baptism, marked by God as his child, but marked by God and set apart then from the world, to be assaulted daily by all of the world's charms, to be assaulted daily by that prowling lion, the deceiver who seeks to devour you with his lying, murderous ways, to be assaulted daily by even those temptations that we know too well in our flesh. That's what he means by taking up his cross and following him, is to suffer these things, but to suffer them in faith, just as he did, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, so we too can suffer like him, knowing that the kingdom of heaven is ours, that Jesus has already defeated these enemies for us in his place, and that forgiveness is ours, even when we stumble and fall, even as he did not. That's what Jesus means when he says, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake in the Gospels, will save it. It's this upside-down, backwards sort of being a Messiah Christ that not only Jesus was called to be, but actually our whole life as Christians was called, is called to be. To follow after Jesus no matter where it leads. Even as it leads us increasingly into being rejected by friends, neighbors, even family members for the sake of Jesus, the Christ the one who suffered and died and on the third day rose again. To be rejected by you know, other Christians who have departed from this way and are looking now for, again, earthly liberation or other sorts of messiahs, not one who saves from sin, death, and devil, but saves us from earthly tyranny. That's again. And we very well may, and really have, experienced it. And so we take up our cross knowing that Jesus has already suffered these things, and he has defeated them. And because we are in him, we have his strength, his power, the power given to us by the Holy Spirit. And by the giving of the Spirit, then, we have the strength to resist. And 
and he will do it, and he's even doing it now, as he forgives us, and strengthens and nourishes us in his whole sacrament. That's the life of the Christian, just as this is the life of Christ. A Christ who suffers and dies on the third day of rises. So if somebody asks you who you believe in, be more specific.